Hey everybody, this is Sean. And this is Kevin. And welcome to another episode of Shot by Shot. This is the second of two episodes with our guest, Mr. Matt Kent. Kevin, we all love Matt Kent, but what's your favorite Matt Kent comic? Well, you know, honestly, it hasn't come out yet because it's Berserker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you script anything with Keanu Reeves, I think that generates a healthy amount of buzz. Yeah, I mean, look, Matt Kent's a hell of a writer. You, you can't pick up a Matt Kent book and not understand how good he is. So, you know, I like all his stuff and, and really excited about that just because I am a mark for Keanu Reeves, I have to totally admit. So, yeah, look, and, and this is our first first uh, 2021 episode so thank god for that we're glad we made it here <laughs> yeah and to mark 2021 i would say this is a rather celebratory episode would you not agree uh, yeah i was i was definitely celebrating uh, <laughs> that was because this was a long podcast and i'd been drinking a lot by the time we get, where we get to this part yeah, no, I think this is one of those podcasts where the energy and I think Matt being one of the nicest guys of comics puts everyone at ease. So the conversation flows gloriously. I would try to summarize what we talked about here, but I think that would be a disservice. Well, I agree with you. All right. Well, without <laughs> any further ado, Mr. Matt Kent. I, yeah. I had the same experience with Longshot and then I didn't get another issue to like four. Oh. <laughs> and then, and and the other one was Machine Man, and I remember yeah. picking up Machine Man that was you know holy shit, and and trying to find like was it four issues five it was I think it was four, yeah all four yeah, issues four. of that comic like I, that's that's one of the ones where I drove my mother my father crazy because <laughs> I was just desperate to find the next issue and they're like. What are you talking about? You're so weird. You're such a weird kid. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, I was desperate. Finding issue four. Yes. I mean, that's a, in long shot, I didn't get I like it was like issue one and I was in love with it, like blown away. And like, I think two and three I missed at the time because the because they didn't put them on the spinner. OK, do you, who Brian, you may remember this because you were from South Carolina. Our, our big gas station chain was you totem does anybody know this where are you from matt <laughs> i grew up near kansas city like the small town near kansas city so we didn't have okay, right. well this was at the time nobody thought about it it was the most racist thing ever it was a big u and then a t-o-t-e-m with a with like a, a native american head like in the middle and that was the name of the gas stations you totem u-t-o-t but <laughs> I swear to God, this was a thing that they were all over Alabama and Southeast. I think Brian, do you not remember this? Did you no, not, not have this? <laughs> no, they were U Totem, and and I have no idea where the name came from, but that's where we went. It was the U Totem gas station, and Circle K bought them out. That was like a thing in the high school. So I would hit every U Totem between my house and school, trying to find Longshot and uh, and Machine Man. But man, those were the good days. <laughs> we were racist as fuck, but we had good comics. <laughs> Pivoting from racist gas stations. Uh, <laughs> this was a chain. I'm not joking. I'm just, I, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. But Matt, what are your favorite shots and movies? So we talked a little bit about comics and how they informed you and what your aesthetic was. But are there any cinematic uh, moments that especially shaped your vision and approach? I don't know. I don't really think about. I don't think about movie, like cinematic stuff as as far as visuals go. I mean, I do. I appreciate it as as we go, but it's almost like more like moments, you know, or or movies that'll, or feelings that movies will evoke. That's kind of what I respond to. Like, like uh, as I get older. I'm always like trying to think of like, what are my top 10 movies? What are my top five? And it's like, it's so hard to figure out. But then like the older I've gotten, the more it's like movies will pop up and then they slowly drift away. The movie I keep rewatching, like, and the older I get, the more I'm like, this movie is like, is the best movie is Apocalypse Now. I can't stop watching wow. that movie. Like, and I think a lot of it is like, for me, movies, it's, a, it's about the movie and what's happening in the story and the music. There's so much going on and, in any movie that's hard for me to focus like i have to watch it a couple of times because i end up sort of 
watching the movie and then I'm thinking about like how they made I was like, oh, I wonder what they were where's the camera set up and then how do they and then I wonder what that was like for the actor. Like I'm thinking all these thoughts during the movie that sometimes like this plot, I'm like, I don't know I don't remember the plot. I was thinking about like what the actor was feeling when they were doing that. Like <laughs> what's that like? You know, and, and to me Apocalypse Now is like the perfect movie because the making of that movie is is such a good story and like such a, yeah. an amazing thing you know and like and like to me the idea of a good movie ever getting made is like in a miracle and so that movie to me is like the it's like a double miracle that it got made and and it was good but um yeah i don't know so i think i don't know apocalypse now is great i to me i love that kind of story i love a story where it's like a guy going on a journey it's so simple it's like going up and then trying to trying to uncover something either about himself or he sees something crazy thing at the end i love journey type movies like when i was in high school huckleberry finn was one of my favorite books because i was like oh the the river's a metaphor it was like the first time i realized there's a metaphor in the story like freshman year of high school and then i took this class and they made you read it and i was like wow what by the time i was done i was like this is the greatest book of all time like, it was a great book. And, uh, it remains one of the great I, books of all time. But it, what's great is like it is. It was entertaining, you know. The characters are vivid, and then but then there's like that extra layer, you know. And I think that's what I. That's what made me sort of fall in love with writing, you know, or storytelling, you know. And, and then so I, I can't think of a specific visuals, you know. Like I don't know what else. Is I, Apocalypse Now your favorite film? I guess so. I just keep watching it. Like at once it's, I don't watch a lot of movies over and over again. Um, yeah, and, and there's like multiple versions of that now too. Yeah. So and there's, sort of yeah. It's, and so that drives me a little crazy because I don't like, I want the, the version. So there's yeah. the new yeah. one with all the extra scenes where they're like the, Another, the French uh, village or whatever that's in there. And I was like, I like this, but it's like, I don't remember. This isn't part of the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's another movie like college I discovered yeah, I took a film class and like we had to go. Uh, they they like, hey extra credit if you go watch Apocalypse Now, which I'd never seen. And I remember being blown away. Like I watched that in a, it was like the college, shitty theater, mm-hmm. and um, but still it was like so amazing and and what a great movie. And yeah. and the fact that that he's done a cut or two, it, you know, you, you can't like I saw the studio cut, the first cut, and then you you see like the other versions afterwards. And it, it does kind of muddy the water because that cut was even if it wasn't his, it was so amazing. And so, yeah, uh, wow, like, like you just takes your breath away to watch that film, you know, 20 years, 30 years after it was made. What, what year was that made? I don't remember. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's it's a it's is it a seventies film? Yeah, it's seventy seventies. I'm I'm gonna yeah, guess. I, it. I mean, I saw it in like ninety, and um, George Lucas was gonna do it after Star Wars, and then he didn't. So it was yep. after Star Wars. So it was like after seventy six, between yeah. seventy six and eighty. <laughs> uh, I tell you, some something that that I think is interesting about Apocalypse Now, and 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 actually, I never really considered this until you until you mentioned it. But uh, but there there are certain there's certain artists and, and and I would count like like Frank Miller's is like like this, where if I try if I if I crack open a Frank Miller book in an attempt to look at the art, eventually you're reading the story. You know it, the 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 pieces of art almost doesn't exist as things unto themselves. And I think Apocalypse, Apocalypse Now has that same kind of feeling where even if you just kind of go, well, I'm going to look at some of the shots. I'm, I'm not really interested in watching the movie. I'm, I'm, I just want to watch this scene. You put down the remote and you're sucked into it as, as a whole. You know? yeah. so, it's, so it's really hard to, to divorce the parts out of the movie and, and hold them up as just images by themselves you know, yeah it just it just really sort of just comes together as a as a work so well and if you try to it, it ends up almost being a Mendelbrot where every time you cut it it becomes itself mm-hmm. again yeah yeah no I I think that's also like one of the things when I watch movies I'm I'm professionally jealous 
because I've dedicated my career to making comics. And then I and then I feel like comics, it's so much harder to get like an emotion or to make you like the strongest emotion you've ever felt looking at a movie is going to be stronger than any any feeling you've felt reading a comic book, probably like that. The movie that made you cry or feel a thing or do whatever. It's like that movies has so many more tools to work with. Like they have sound yeah. and image and motion and characters and acting. I was like, comics is like, as much as I love it, I was like, part of my goal in my career has been to like, I want to do a book that's as moving as like, as a novel or as, as moving as a movie, you know, that makes you feel something, you know, and it's like, yeah, and it's, yeah. And it's hard yeah. to do. Like it happens. And I've read it. I've read books that have made me feel that, but they're few and few and far between uh, compared that's, to movies. That's before. a really difficult uh, trick to pull off. And, and, and I, I think part of that trick is the moment that a person is reading, it, it becomes intimate. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to manage that intimacy, you know, sort of so yeah. carefully in order to get to those emotions. Whereas um, I think with a, with a movie or with music, it's just so such a sensory blast that you yeah. can kind of get to those places a lot easier. I have to ask everybody, what comic has made you cry? Jump in there, man. You go first. Blankets by Craig Thompson had me weeping. Absolutely. (laughs) That that Uh, gutted the shit out of me. That was tough. That was tough. As a child, as a child, which was where most of my, my formative years, I never had read a comic until I was... I was in kindergarten and uh, maybe first grade, whatever. And I was sick with a flu. And um, my dad, who's like the toughest Southern bastard you've ever met. Yeah. Uh, truly. And, but he, he's, he, and I didn't know this until much later in life, but uh, he was a comic book fan as a kid. He read, like, he's like, oh, I had Superman number one. I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, but so I was sick with a flu. And this was like 1974-ish. Blame the flu. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I don't know. So, so maybe 75. I was like, it was kindergarten, five, six years old. Sure. I was really sick. And I remember vividly, he brought home a stack of comic books that he had bought at the gas station because I was sick and he wanted to give me something. And I had never seen a comic book. Uh, and in that stack was the death of Captain Stacy. Oh. And I made oh. my, which was a, re, I think it was a reprint, maybe. I don't know. Um, but my mom, who hated reading comics, she sat there and read the, because I was like enthralled. Like I'd never, I was, I, what is he saying? What is he saying? As I looked at the books and she read, the Spider-Man book to me where Captain, uh, Captain Stacy died. And I cried. Like, it was literally like, oh my God, like this guy is such a wonderful person. And that's the first Spider-Man comic. And I didn't read it myself. It was read to me. That's what made me want to read. Like, I, wow. I, I, dr- I drove my parents, like, I couldn't wait to start school so that I could learn to read, so that I could read comics. But I remember crying when she said, you know, like she showed me that like the pictures were there and he died. And I was just, I cried. I remember vividly crying over his death because I just didn't see it coming. Uh, like, that's not fair. Like, he's a good person and he died. And um, yeah, so that, that's my story. Yeah, the, cl- the closest I ever got personally was reading uh, Electra, uh, Electra Assassin. There were, yeah. there were several moments in reading that book that, you know, sort of as the type of guy I am, I kind of went... I'm going to stop reading right now because if I keep reading, I'm probably <laughs> going to cry. <laughs> That's how you do it. That's how you do yeah. it. <laughs> Remember? It's like, all right. That, Let me push it down. <laughs> the thing that gets me in the in Electro Assassin was like when uh, Kingpin's talking about his wife, right? Like, Ooh, I, I bet I could pinpoint yeah. one of the moments. And then the moment is when oh. he's like, she's spelling out, she won't talk, right? So she's spelling out what she wants. He's like, what do you want? He's like, she won't talk. What do you want? And she spells out with the children's blocks. And she puts an X down, and then a P down, and then an A down, and then a P down. And he's like, what is that? Oh, it spells escape. 
escape or whatever, and she wants out. Yeah. I was like, even now it gives me like goosebumps. But I remember that I was like, oh my god, this is like that's good writing. That's what good writing. Is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can hate then, Frank Miller for his for his politics post nine eleven. That motherfucker is a hell of a storyteller. Yeah, yeah, uh, dude, oh, yeah. yeah. I will defend yeah, that, him. That, that stuff. Yeah, that 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 book. That book absolutely uh, destroyed me, and and it's it's just for me that was as a as a person wanting to do comics. I didn't need that book. I didn't need to know that you could actually achieve this with it. But when that book came out, I was just like, oh, I thought I was going to get trained in knife fighting, but <laughs> but they're nukes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so it was like yep. it was just really really cool. To, to kind of like for that book to come along at the time it did. And not only that, but but like Bill Sienkiewicz breaking all the unwritten rules of how to do comics. That was just such a mind blowing thing. Yeah. Sean, you should be really jealous of us old fuckers. Uh, <laughs> because I have the omnibus of Electra. So I actually have read this. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, fuck you for having <laughs> an electro. <laughs> when Brian yeah. and I and Matt had to chase it down. The I, I was a racist to buy that book at Utah. <laughs> I had to. Go- <laughs> I did not I have to go to any racist car. gas stations to no, go. No, you didn't have to go to racist gas. I didn't know it was racist at the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, you by those standards, you didn't have to collect your. Yeah, you didn't have to collect your merry men and go on this quest. I remember sitting in my in the car with my parents reading that first issue of Electra Assassin. And then I was like, and then they just would buy me everything and they wouldn't look at it or whatever. But I remember reading that issue and I was like, I don't know how old it was, 12 or 13. I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to read this when I get home. I don't think because uh, it was adult. It was for adults. There's like bad yeah. words and everything. It was like super violent. And I was like, this is amazing. But I need to read this when my parents aren't in the front seat. <laughs> I know exactly how you feel, yes. Yeah, so that's how old I, I am. To, I need to hide in my reading of this comic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it was blowing my mind, you know. It's like you were reading porn. You were reading, a, you were reading an adult comic book. Which yeah, yeah. Was a, yeah it, was, and it was from Marvel. I mean, it I wasn't know. like it was, no. it was Marvel epic. I don't know if it was like Marvel yeah. mainstream. It was epic. Epic, yeah. Epic. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the good old days. But, uh, really, it is really cool because there were there were just so many comics that were coming out uh, around that time, you know, late 80s through the 90s, where every other Wednesday you went to the comic book shop and, and the world changed. You'd pick up a comic book. I, I remember the, the first issue of Nexus that I picked up and I was just like looking at the cover and going, this doesn't say Marvel. This doesn't say DC. What is this? <laughs> you know, it was just, I was just confused that, that there was this awesome superhero that wasn't Marvel or DC. And oh, it was just, and, and, just really and awesome. Like I worked for a comic book publisher. I worked for Valiant. And I probably just told this story before on this show, but like I went to work for Valiant right out of college and uh, I went from running a comic book shop to working for Valiant from, from the, one of the greatest guys ever, Paul Fairchild, you know, rest his soul, God rest his soul, um, died way too young. But he hired me from a comic book shop to go work at Valiant. And the first week that I was there, I moved from Auburn, Alabama to New York City. And on that, that first Wednesday in, in, in Valiant's headquarters, uh, we walked down to Jim Hanley's universe and everybody was super excited. There was this guy named David Lapham who had worked at Valiant had started his own imprint and did his own book called stray bullets. Cool. And, and I mean, from somebody who had owned a comic book store, like I didn't know books like this existed because you know, you, you th- look through that gigantic catalog and you, you know, you pick the stuff that you think will sell. But everybody was really excited because like David's book's coming out this week. And I'm like, wait, you can do this yourself? Like you can do a comic book on your own? And that's where I got the bug. I'm like, I don't like 
I love super books as a kid. I don't love them so much anymore. And and stray bullets like change my life. And comic books, yeah. you know, it's just it's a it's a crazy thing. It's as simple as it is, but like that was a perfect comic book. Stray bullets number one was perfect, and that changed my life. And that's why Thomas River exists. Like I mean, yeah. Thomas River may have existed without me, but I know it exists a little bit because of me. Right. Oh, no, I'll, t- I'll tell you for a fact that it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but but that's that's a cool thing is um is and and I think you know bringing us back to to Matt is uh is doing a deeper dive on smaller books. You know, you're, you're doing you're doing a, a smaller story in that it doesn't involve gods and superheroes and all this stuff, but you can just really dig deep. Yeah, on on that stuff, you can really get personal when you're doing these when you're doing these stories, and 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 I think I think that to me is is like what gets me jazzed about the comics I'm doing now. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what to me. I feel like I'm trying to champion comics, you know. And it's like if I can make my goal is always to make a comic that makes you feel like a genuine emotion, like that yeah. I feel in other mediums, you know. And I think. I'm too close to comics, like making them and then reading them. Like I can't really read a comic uh, for entertainment because you guys know, like once you've done them enough, it's like you're looking at everything and you're analyzing everything. Yeah, it's, it's hard to get out from backstage. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like the idea of a comic making me cry or whatever. I was like, that's not going to happen. Like <laughs> I'm too busy looking at everything else. Uh, but my, but I, but I think that is the goal for me is to like to prove that comics are like a worthy art form and to do that i think by proof the way to prove it is to make to like make you feel a thing like a genuine em- yeah emotion of some kind you know and it's like some it can be humor i think is easier and i think but i think it's harder to get something that's more like that thing that does that gives you the feeling like you're gonna cry or feel like feel a genuine something you know and, it, uh, it's harder in comics and I don't, I don't know why that is like it doesn't make any sense because like we talked in a in a previous episode about animation. I think it was Caitlin Yarsky. We were talking about animation, and the last time I cried at a uh, animated film was um, the Fox and the Hound. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, I was sitting with my mom, and we'd gone to see Empire. We wanted to see Empire Strikes Back. I had a bunch of friends, and it was sold out. And we we ended up in the the, the only movie that had tickets. And uh, so it was like me and like one or two friends and I was sitting with my mom who had taken us and I was crying in Fox and the Hound. And, uh, you know, but it's it's just comics. I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know. Part of it, we all think I, we're tougher because we're guys. I, I don't know what it is. Like we, you come from these comics, but. but I think part of it is, um, like, yeah, like the nature of comics is, is different than everything else because movies is very passive right like you're there yeah, you're along for yeah. the ride so like for two hours you're not taking two and a half hours to watch a two hour movie you're taking two hours because it's two hours right. and then with pros there's so much more detail right and so like and then you're it's filling your head with your your picture of what's happening even though the words are telling you what it is it's, it's like it's becoming alive in your head where comics is sort of the half it's halfway where like the the reader is like doing some of the work. They're filling in the action between the panels and they can take their time. If there's a lot of detail on the pages, they're gonna look at it longer. Like, so you don't have control over the time. You don't have control over how long it's gonna take them to read it or when they're gonna hit that beat. Like the closest you can get is making sure your your page turn has that, whatever the reveal is on the page turn. So at least you can yeah, yeah. that, right? So like, that's the most control you have. Otherwise you're kind of seeing the whole page at once you're kind of seeing that bottom right corner. I'm like, Ooh, if somebody dies down there, you're going to kind of know it. So I think it is, it is a, it is a, a, a guided experience, but, yeah. but the reader, they can go off the rails <laughs> they can, they yeah, can go yeah. in, and you, you don't have control over that. Yeah. So it's, yeah. that's to me is like the fun of comics is like, it's more, it's challenging because it's like, you gotta, how do you suck somebody in? You know, how do you get them where they're falling into the panel? And they don't realize they're making the jump between the panel borders. They're just boom, 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 boom. I think Stray Bullets did a great job of it because he, I just reread it in the spring or whatever. And, and he uh, no and he uses that six panel grid, the whole series, half, 
through most of the series, and then he switches to like an eight panel grid. So it's like he, it never varies, and it's like yeah. for the whole series. And I was like, that's and he, like that way. In that way, he dictates like you get used to a pattern of reading and like your eye moving and and like you get used to that. You don't even realize that six. He's keeping you in those grids, you know. And it's yeah. like, but it it does the trick. It does it pulls you into it, you know. And and David like, Lapham is a goddamn genius. No, he's awesome. I I wrote a story. I'm I'm writing some stuff for him for this bad idea, this new company or whatever. I wrote like a eight page story that he drew, and I was oh, like, man, I was wow. like, well, I was like, I get to work with Dave. La- what? No, right? Yeah, <laughs> like he did like, a. He doesn't need a writer. What is he? Why am I doing this? He just doesn't need me. No, yeah, he did a ride story for me a few years ago, and and. Yeah. It, I literally didn't sleep at night for a few year for a few nights because um, Jody LaHup did. He's like, "Oh, I got this story. I want I want to do as a ride story, and and Dave Lapham's going to draw it." I, I'm like, "That doesn't make sense." Like, I'm publishing <laughs> a book, and I'm paying Dave Lapham. Like, I, I don't understand yeah. this scenario. No, that, uh, that freaked me out. Yeah, that was weird. It's almost. Even this, when I knew Brian was going to be on this podcast, I'm like, I don't, why am I? Then why am I on this podcast? <laughs> so, <laughs> you're <talking to> Brian. <laughs> I was like, I don't. So you've got this. you're you're doing a bad idea book with Dave Lapham. Like that's the one that's already come out, right? I didn't know you. Yeah, wrote- we, we did an eight pager, which is part of we're going to do. We're going to do a few more things, like sort of tied into that. Like there's a like a bigger not a universe, but whatever. It's a city. Yeah. And some more stories that sort of tie together. I was like, I don't, I don't know. It's like, why? I don't, I don't know how this. I, I all credit to my editor. I've been working with Warren Simons, who was my editor at Valiant, and now they started this new place. So, hundred yeah. percent credit to him for like setting me up, you know, because I don't know David other than being a huge fan of his, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it's so just, funny. Like, I don't know you, but it's so funny that we're so totally connected because, like, I, I, got <laughs> I mean, I. My first professional job was working at Valiant and um, Bernard Chang and Sean Chin introduced me to Dinesh. God, like I was just starting at Valiant and and I was a huge Shadow Man fan. Like that was my favorite comic at Valiant. I tried to license uh, Shadow Man before, like like I tried to chase a license to that book when, when like it was in between owners. Yeah. And because uh, I love that comic when I worked there, I'm like, uh, like I was, I was like a little bitty part of the team that brought Garth Ennis, Garth Ennis onto that book. Like wow. I had to go, to, I had to go to Bob Layton and beg him, beg him to do the Ashley Wood uh, version of the comic, bringing up old memories. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like when I saw that that. That, that that dropped the other day, um, what was it, like a month ago or something, with with, uh, with David Lapham drawing that book. Like, yeah, I mean, like that's, I I, I know Dave through literally uh, General Hope writing a story and saying I want to do this as a ride comic. I'd like to to get David to draw it, and and uh, it's it's so funny just how that 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 all ties together. Like you just don't know. I guess sort of the big picture of this is when you create something, you have no concept of how it's affecting other people. Oh yeah. yeah. When when, yeah. when Brian draws a comic or creates a comic or Matt, when you create a comic, you just don't really grasp how that changes people's lives. And it's a it's a little bitty thing uh, for for you know, the majority of America or the world, but it, it changes people's lives. I mean, creating cool shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's important, and 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 I, I really I really think the the game there is is you know, and and it, it's kind of funny, you know, going going back to what uh, what Matt said earlier, I can tell that that you have the curse, you know, and and the curse is that you're going to do comics, yeah, <laughs> and even if you had to work <laughs> sort of a design job by day, comics was always going to be part of the equation. It just so happens that you figured out a way to get paid for it. So awesome, <laughs> you know? yeah, right. Um, but uh, but it but it, it sounds it sounds like like comics is the easiest place for you to tell the truth. Here's the thing about comics that I love too, and you don't realize it till you're like I didn't realize it till I was older. I was like, oh, this is why I'm attracted to it. It's because you 
there's nothing standing between you and getting your your total vision out there like you know what i mean there's no yeah like I, if i didn't have a publisher I'd, i could self-publish you know that and yeah maybe you don't make as much money or whatever but you but there there are ways to navigate this industry where you can like i can do mind management and it's a hundred literally a hundred percent my vision like nothing yeah not what i wanted it to be there's no other there's no other industry you can do that in like movies for sure you can't do it in 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 with prose and and like right if, like if you're gonna write a novel um you can do it i just think that it's it's harder to i think that it's novels have been around for so long and breaking into that is like a any kind of career or whatever is just so hard yeah that's that's the thing is 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 comics is still a brand new medium yeah <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's still no one's kind of figured it out yet so right. every every iteration kind of is valid yeah don't you and i think that's part of the reason too like i love writing but i was dissuaded from doing prose because because of the history like like i'm not going to write the best novel ever ever written <laughs> and i was like comics is so young i was like there's a chance i could i could if, if if the stars aligned, I could do the best graphic novel. There's a chance, like there's like a small chance I could do it, but in novels, there's no way. You know what I mean? Who you you're gonna beat uh, every novel that's ever been written? You're not gonna do it. And like the movies, it's just too much of a crapshoot. Like as far as like all the moving pieces and writers and directors and like everything in the way. Like you, unless you're writing and directing it it's just too hard to do or comics oh yeah it yeah. is I first, hope you're first episode it. first episode of project Greenlight that i saw yeah. on hbo i was just like okay dream of being a director done yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, gone yeah. now <laughs> my know. first my first year of college i was like okay that's yeah that's not for me because also like i didn't want to have to talk to people or you have to be kind of like a social being in a way too and learn how to like uh you know, interact with others and get along. And I was like, that's like, I'm, I'm talking now fine because it's, I have spent 20 years at conventions practicing how to talk to strangers, you know, <laughs> it's like but the comics is definitely a medium that's, it, it helps protect you. Like you can just work at home and do your thing and then you send it out and then you don't have to interact, you know, if you, if are you going to get to write the screenplay to Berserker? I, that's a good question. I've been writing, I've written two screenplays this year and, uh, and I can't, I wrote one for, um, the, my management pilot that was for universal, but then the pandemic just killed it. So it got, hmm. wow. But it's, so it's moved somewhere else. It's moved somewhere else. And then I wrote another one for something else. I can't say anything about cause they won't let me whatever. But, um, but yeah, I would love to, like, I think screenwriting is fun to do. But also, like screenwriting. Wow, you're the, you're the first person that's that I've heard say that. Well, <laughs> just, here's the trick: screenwriting is fun. Here's the, <laughs> it is fun. It's fun to me. Here's the thing: it's fun because I've been doing comics twenty years, and so like, like I feel like, uh, what was it? There's a term. There's a term for it, but there's a term where it's like, like the making of a comic. It, the challenge isn't there anymore. Like I've learned how to do it to the point where uh, I can yeah. do it without like. It's, it doesn't feel like I'm risking anything, you know? Like when I was doing mind management, I felt like every month was a risk. I was like, I don't know if this will work. I don't know if this is gonna happen. I don't know if this is, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. But then like- Yeah, yeah. Then I, you're, I'm actually, so, you're actually building the bridge you're standing on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, I, I love that. Like that was the thing that actually kept me going, you know? And then, and now it's like, I, I can put a good comic book together. I know that it will be well-crafted but that when I started writing screenplays, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know what the, I don't know how to format the thing. I had to read books and watch YouTube and like all wow. this, learn all this stuff. I was like, I don't, I know how to tell a story, but I don't know if I know how to do this. And so like the, there was a fear there that uh, I hadn't felt in 20 years. And so when well, I felt that, I was like, you know how to tell a story. So yeah, yeah. So I was like, I, I was like, at least I know how to tell a story. And I love movies. You know, it's like I'm a fan. Of, I know how movies kind of work or whatever. But I, but I kind of like coming in as like a, like not knowing the rules of how to do everything. So it's like hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do something cool that I think would be cool, and then see if it works. You know, and uh, and so it was for me that was what was fun was the, not being sure that it was gonna work. 
that feeling of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I think I think creatively, there's there's a lot of times I, I feel when I look back on my stuff that oftentimes the greatest failure or the greatest success has been one step past failure. <laughs> you know, where yeah. you, you're just like, oh my God, this is going to just totally crash. And then you right. turn a corner and it's, it's good. And it's like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but you're working on it 90% of the time. It was a failure. <laughs> no, that's totally true. And, and, but th that's the thing, like with art and writing or anything, like to get good at it, it's repetition. And like, but then there's yeah. a certain point where you've gotten good at it and then repetition becomes, becomes repetitive. <laughs> and so then yeah. I, I think you can kind of get bored and, and like, I just, my brain's always spinning. So it's like, I just, I wasn't bored. I was just like, I, I didn't, I miss feeling that, that feeling of like, there's no net and I could just fall off, you know? And uh, because, because your writing is, is so different. Are there any writers that are big influences on you? If anybody asks me my influences, I don't, it's not a lot of comic book stuff. Like we, we've talked about comics. So we all love like Miller and Mazzuccelli and Byrne and Claremont. Like we grew up reading all the same stuff. So like, of course those are, part of my DNA and everything, but I don't really, ever, I don't feel like those, I cite those as influences, but I, like I, at the same time as reading all that, I was also reading like Philip K. Dick. And like, oh, man. and I just read, I read everything. I'm trying to look at my shelf now without you noticing, see what I've read, but I, I read like a lot of Pulp Fiction, like just crime books that are just like, they're not good. I like books that are set in an era. Like if they're written in the fifties yeah. and sixties, I don't like books that are set in the fifties and sixties. I like books that are written in the fifties and sixties. That's what I, that's what I love right? about the, uh, the old doc Savage stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, know, it was written just... in that era. Right. So it's regardless <laughs> yeah. of the story, it's like the period stuff is there. Like, and it's, it's not somebody imagining it. It's what it was. You know, I like that. Yeah. And, and, and it, it feels it's people from the fifties version of the, far-flung future <laughs> you know, and yeah yeah and there's, there's there's something so oddly quaint about it is what works it's this is so simple these guys are unfiltered like you know like i think that's that's the thing that we we maybe lose a little bit today is that everybody's trying to hit like the demo the filter the you know the it was it was so raw back then you know like yeah the, yeah the, the, the original like here's the intent boom over yeah. Yeah. and i th and i think you i think you really nailed that in the chapter breaks in bang you know there's there's little where you get the old novel you know pages yeah, yeah. Yeah. that were in there i mean that you, was the, really that was the and, most fun part to write <laughs> uh, but what's what's weird is when i read the first one i was really under the impression that is this is this actually like an old you know, sort of spy That's novel awesome. page? You know, I was like, so happy. Is, is, he, is he just putting this in here? Yes. And I, it wasn't until I got like to the second one that I was just like, oh no, 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 this is this is something he's doing. But uh, but yeah. it was really convincing. That was the most fun I had because I feel like it's just fun to write in that style. It's kind of like a more, I don't know what that style is, but it's just like, What's weird is like I have the ability to write like that, but I there's no reason to ever write like that. <laughs> so this is like I was like, here's the comic. This makes sense. I can write like a '50s style, like the way he describes everything, and like because I read all that stuff, and it's like in the back yeah. of my mind, and like. Uh, and I, there's there's a, there's a pitch to it. There's a pitch to it where if you if you go <laughs> just a little bit more over the top then it's a lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's totally, no, it's totally a, false and you're busted. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but you you pitched it just right. So I was like, okay. <laughs> it's also with respect to, it's like, I'm not trying to like make fun of it or like, or lampoon it or like, you know, I, I want it to be a, a place of like appreciation too, you know, as much as I have problems with the, like a lot of the stuff in the older things, you know, because of the era it was written and everything. I just... I still appreciate the writing style and the story. You know, I, something that, that hit me, like my dad is turned 83 this year. And, you know, they grew up in a different era. It was a different world. 
everything was different than, than what we experienced now. And everything's different. We both have, I think you said your daughter was 17. Yeah. My daughter turned 17 in a week mm-hmm. and that's different. It's just a different world. And, and so it's kind of funny to see like my dad and then there's me and then, then there's my oldest daughter and how things have changed and how things are so different, but you have to go back and look, everything's a perspective. You know, what was the lens you were looking through? Because that's your life. Your life is the lens you look through. And, and my life is, is not my daughter's life. And, and, and that kind of just hit me recently. Like I see things like I grew up differently. I, 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 I saw things because the world was different. Yeah. And if James Bond in 1960 is not James Bond today, they're all amazing. If you look at them through the filter of, of the time that they were in, you know, he's was a misogynistic asshole. And, um, you know, Moonraker was one of the worst James Bond movies ever because they were trying to be Star Wars. Like they were trying to compete with Star Wars. Yeah. Um, Casino Royale, both those movies are fantastic for the year they were told. And there was two, there's, there are two Casino Royales, right? And they, they hit completely different demos. Yeah. Uh, it's just a different world. And so I think, you know, you, you can stand back and it's easier for somebody my age to maybe start to, re- to reflect on that. Whereas it, it is wrong. Like the stuff that they did, you know, like it was misogynistic as hell, but it, it was the time zone you were in. And, and um, I don't know, I, I'm kind of rambling a bit here, but like yeah, you no, just appreciate it for what it was yeah. and then you move on and like, how can I make it better? And, and, you know, both of you guys are doing that, which is great. Uh, and, I think uh, having a kid too, like for me, my daughter is like this, she's like the sweetest person that I, like, I don't know. I don't know how she came out of, <laughs> you know, out of <laughs> me and my raising her and stuff. But, but that's what's weird is like she's making me a better person by example. I was like, wait a second, I'm the parent. I'm the parent here. But I think part of it is too. You're right. Like your experience, like a fish doesn't know he's in water. You know, he's just in his little bowl in his water. You know, and so like I think, I think that's how we are. And then my daughter's, she's in her own bowl and she's looking at my bowl. She's like, you're in some dirty water. <laughs> I'm like, no, this is the water I've always been in. And uh, she's like, no, no, that water's dirty. <laughs> and you started to become aware of that you know it's like i like i read i blew the same time as reading electra sass and all that stuff i was blowing through every single ian fleming book at the same time like the oh, kind wow, of stuff i would wow. go to they had them all and i was like what are those book versions and i read them and they were totally different than the movies like they're a little more serious they're still misogynistic like live and let die is one of the most like in hindsight is one of the most racist i was like this is racist oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. i was like i can't yeah. I was I was rereading them this year and I was like, man, I don't know that I I don't even want to do it now because it kind of makes me not I don't like them anymore. Because it's let's, like I can't let's justify. not mention the names of the corals down yeah, in Florida. No. That's what, <laughs> but I'm but when I was like twelve or thirteen, I was like, I'm not thinking about that. You know, no, I'm not, you're not. no, no, no. That's it's like, it's, it's like it bums me out to go back and revisit mind. that. Yeah, yeah. I revisit them now, like, man, I can't even do it. It's like now I've got this daughter who's the sweetest person and it's like how am I, I can't justify i don't like this stuff anymore like i i have to figure out what parts i like you know and then the work i do has to be something that is takes the parts i like and then yeah. doesn't ignore the shit that i don't like but addresses it you know right yeah. that's the key but, uh, and i think that's the key. That, you have to oh, address maybe, maybe you can, shit that doesn't oh, work anymore yeah and matt maybe you can speak to this as well but uh but i i, I find that a lot of times the comics that i do the, the stuff that I that I try to achieve in a in a certain way it's 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 me grappling with the complexity and trying to break it down into something simple. Yeah. You know, where I'm 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 taking in all of this stuff that just seems to be like gray and seems to have all these different meanings. And I'm just trying to boil it down and say, this is the way the world is, or this is the way the world should be. Or this is how I see things, and uh, and and I think that's a lot of times what we end up doing as uh, as as creators is is trying to just grapple with this gray and make sense of it. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I do. I feel like I feel like I try to do that, and then the 
the more I try to do it, the more I'm like, this is some really gray area. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, a, I don't know. I was like, how do you reconcile like people that are good and bad at the same time? Like it's so hard. And like, yeah, that's why at the end of the day, like if I had to boil down my management. It's just like, I don't, it's hard. Life is hard and confusing. It's like just that person that's next to you, be good to that person. And that's about as simple as you can get. Like, <laughs> just yeah, yeah, yeah. Treat people right. Yeah. Other than that, yeah. it gets starts to get confusing. You know? Yeah. Look, there's there's no right answer. Or uh, for, for me, it is fun too because like there's Brian and I. We're, we're we're old. Like we're crusty, and it's fun to work with Sean uh, because he, you know, he's. He's young and energetic young, and like in quotation marks to us. Yeah. And and with my kids, it, it's true that like like you know, like I'm a good I think I'm a good person. I think Brian's a good person. We've been friends for twenty something years, twenty-five years. Oh god. Really? And you know, I'm like I'm a cracker white, you know, and we've seen shit that our kids will never see, like my kids will never see. Like Sean has seen stuff very different from our perspective because he grew up in a different time. And then I look at like, you know, my, my dad, my father-in-law, and like they grew up in the 60s and the 50s, and it's just a different world. But you take all that shit and you mix it up and you're like, man, you know, like. I've got a 13 year old. I've got a 12 year old. I've got a 17 year old. They all see stuff differently than me. And that's, what's great is like our, our filter, the movies that we loved or not the movies, like they don't understand the movies that we loved. Yeah. They don't get that. And, and, but, but that's, that's signs of progress. That's good stuff. And James Bond in the lens that, that is so funny because like I'm looking at this right now, like Sean's at the top, I'm at the top and, and Brian and Matt, you're, you're sitting together and you're both doing the James Bond story and they're so completely different. Yeah. Like, but, but, yeah. <laughs> but James Bond as children formed our lives like that was like Sean Connery. And I mean, like that was like the shit. And and you took a little nugget from that, and and Brian said, "I'm creating a super spy," and Matt said, "I'm creating a super spy," and they're so completely different. Uh, that's we, something that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. And, and I will tell you, like, and I said this earlier, like, you know, Brian, when you first pitched Thomas River to me, like that was years ago, like maybe yeah. ten years ago when you first came up with that character. And then when I finally, I think when, when, um, when Black Panther came out, like, you know, and I've, I've known Brian since I opened up a comic book store, we met around that time, but, but we've been friends ever since the ride number one and all that stuff back in 2004. But I called Brian up. This was, you know, 2016. I'm like, dude, you are drawing the number one sold comic book in, in the world. And, you know, kudos to you. But you told me about, and I don't even think his name was Thomas River at the time. It was just like, it was a character. And, and I'm like, you know, you need to, to focus on that. That's yours. And it took a few years, uh, but, you know. Yeah. Just a couple. <laughs> yeah, a couple of years, right? Like four. And, uh, but then Matt and, and, and you and Alfredo, who I love too, it was so funny when that book came out and, you know, the guy was named Thomas. Like, what are the chances of that guy being named Thomas in both of those books? And so it scared remember, me a little bit. I don't remember naming. I remember naming the last name, but the first name I have no memory of coming up with that first name. And, and Brian, you don't have to tell me. Like, I don't remember what is. I know we came up with River, like, right before we started doing the book. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was always Thomas, but we didn't have his last name. We didn't have River <laughs> for yeah. forever. Yes. Yeah, so. And, so, and so when so when Bang was announced, I remember like, oh man, this looks so great. And then, wait, his name is Thomas, and he's a super spy, and he's black. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, we we we've been working on this for like years, <laughs> and, but but they're so <laughs> totally different, and that speaks to you guys. Like we all grew up on the same stuff, but we take different little bitty threads and we turn it into our own stuff and that's what's like really awesome yeah no, you, all that stuff like even with our comment i think that's why we we like each other's stuff it's because we 
grew up on the th same thing and then when it comes out of us it's through our own filter so it's something else you know it's like yeah yeah and then like, and then you see sean who's sitting here like going well, what are you talking about but you know he's <laughs> like what are you like 12 or 19 <laughs> i'm like a fetus or sean. <laughs> you know but it's fun to filter this stuff through him because he's a he's a, a good bit younger than us and i'm still jealous because he's like dating and whatnot <laughs> and i'm like even old jealous of dating I don't know. Everyone can date again. I have Kevin as my I don't dad. Remember dating? Yeah. But but like he can look at what Brian's creating and what you're creating. They're all from the same space. Like this comes from the love of the books that we've been talking about for two hours now. They're totally different. Like they're both spies. And they're both African American spies. But the space that they came from is so totally. It's the same and completely different because of the way we, you know, our backgrounds or whatever, the, the little bitty nuggets that we pull out of this stuff. And it's so yeah. different. And, and that's what to me is exciting. I don't know where comic books are right now. I think they're actually heading toward a space that uh, even a, a year ago we didn't see. Um, there's been so much more creative freedom caused by the pandemic and second guessing what we're doing and like brian and i would have never done a i would have never done a kickstarter ever because it to me it seemed like you were sort of cheating the system because we grew up on the system of the comic books came out through a big publisher blah 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 uh, but because of the pandemic you know we had this conversation and doug wagner who who wrote thomas river um like he he's been bugging us for like five years to do a Kickstarter. Yeah, we're not gonna do a Kickstarter. We've been real. like we've we successfully ignored Doug for five years yeah. <laughs> at least. Yeah, and then and, we uh, then we finally failed. <laughs> right? Yeah. He he's like, man, you know, let's do a Kickstarter. Let's do a Kickstarter, and then all this. Like I sat back, and Brian was drawing. Like we decided to do the book, and Brian was like halfway done with issue one. And, you know, uh, Doug and I were having this conversation one day because we, we talk all the time. And he's like, you know, maybe this is, is this the time to do a Kickstarter? Well, like, could we do Thomas River? And I think it was you and, um, and Jeff are doing your Kickstarter. Cosmic Detective. Yeah, Cosmic Detective. Was yeah, yeah. Wildly successful. I'm like, well, okay, maybe this is a way we should, we should approach this. You know, we did it. And, and like Brian and Doug both, hate social media i am not speaking for you but like you hate social media. <laughs> no he hates and it like, he doesn't he doesn't i run his instagram he's got another friend that, that runs his twitter and facebook uh, doug talked me into it and and i'm looking at the at this the market in general and I'm like you know it's just it's a completely different world so we can do thomas river as a kickstarter and then still hit comic book shops and bookstores with the same thing, but just in a different format, it's just a different world. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm excited about the future, but uh, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting time and creative to be able to like, when I opened up a comic book store in 1993, like this was never even, even a remote possibility to like create a comic book and go directly from Brian, the artist and Doug, the writer, they, came together and did a book. I just helped them put the Kickstarter together, right? And then they go directly to the fans. This is it's a it's a it's a it's a crazy world that we're in. You did a book, Matt, with the biggest action star in the world. Yeah. And 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 I was talking to Brian the day at launch. I'm like, oh man, you know, like they might hit a hundred thousand. It did one point what 1.4 million. Yeah, it was it was crazy. And it it's a that was the thing. It was like when we they had planned it. They, they had a big rollout. They were, had a bunch of PR. They were going to do. We were going to do like a big panel at San Diego Comic Con, and and uh, wow. I was looking forward to it. I was like, this is going to be. I'm going to be on a panel with County over there we're at San Diego. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a Hall H situation. There. <laughs> yeah, it was like I was like I can't believe this is happening. And then pandemic happened. I was like, oh, okay. Well, we'll. And then uh, anyway, so it just became another thing, but it, everything lined up to roll it out. And I was like, well, how are we going to do it? But Kickstarter, I was like, well, they called me. They're like, hey, hey, with Kickstarter, they had a bunch of questions for me because I'd done a couple. And I was like, yeah, it's 
I think it's great because I think you can still satisfy retailers, you know, and then you can reach fans directly. So you're contacting yeah. directly to the readers. I, that's what I like about comics is like you, it's a small enough industry where you can contact the people you love directly, like, or through Twitter and whatever it is, you can interact kind of directly with the, the people whose work you love, you know, and it's always been that way since I was a fan and then getting into comics. And even now I was like, and this is great because we don't have conventions. So then how are you going to do it? So this is a way to do it, you know? It's, it's, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was just a, the perfect move right there. Yeah, and I I think it's just good. I think it's good for the industry and everything, and draws more eyeballs. And having having somebody like Keanu like involved in a comic is going to pull in. It pulled in a bunch of people that are they don't buy comics. You know, it's like a friend of mine was like, yeah, my a guy came over to he had a plumbing problem or whatever. It was the plumber guy came over and he's like, it's like I never haven't read a comic since I was a kid, but I'm I'm on board for that one and everything. And it's like anything to grow the industry, you know, and to get people that. Like when when you guys launched that book and it had the reception that it did, I realized, oh, so there's another layer of legitimacy that's been added to Kickstarter, which I yeah. thought was was really cool because of, of things like that. There, there are people that are Keanu Reeves fan that will never set foot into a comic book shop. Yeah, right? Like, they're not going in every Wednesday to pick up the new monthly books. They may have never been in a comic shop. And then, yeah, exactly. Right? So then how do you, like, if you're doing a comic that comes out monthly, like, that's such a foreign idea to people that don't follow comics. It's like, oh, how do you... Yeah, I mean, when's, when's the next time a, a, a big Keanu Reeves fan for Keanu Reeves is going to find a copy of the Diamond Catalog and you know, sort yeah, of pick out yeah, the book exactly. and go to the comic book shop. Right, it's right. like that's that's several layers in between the Keanu Reeves fan and the book. Um, yeah. So so by doing that, you guys you guys changed the game, and I think because of that, it brought more eyes on everything else that was um, that was on Kickstarter. So you know, hey, really appreciate it. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know? man, I I hope so. You know, I was like, I I think there's a perception of Kickstarter as a thing that's for people that can't get their books done any other way. And I was like, it is for that. But I think it's also, in a way, it's a it's a way to reach out. I just see it from a comics point of view. I'm a lifer, like you said, like you recognize <laughs> me, the thing. I was like, I, I see you, you're a lifer. Like, yeah, oh, dude. our whole life, it's whether like, we want to ride or die, die, man. Yeah, right? It's like, you, you, can spot, you can spot the other ones, you know? And it's like, uh, <laughs> So I was like, I'm a comic book lifer. Like, I if anything, this is gonna. I want to draw more eyeballs to comics. I don't care what they're buying. Like, like just be aware that comics exist and is like a, it's like a art form in its infancy. You know, it's gonna, it's still growing. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's it's like my my whole attitude is is like, if this one is successful enough to give me my next fix, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and if that one gives me the next one, we're good. <laughs> to me, I want Thomas River to be a success, uh, not for itself, but for that. But also because I, w I want you to just be able to do, like every creator, this is what I want, is like you pick your next project, not because of anything related to money at all, but you're picking it because it's the thing you want to do the most, you know, yeah. the thing you're passionate about. And I think like if if getting money lets you have that choice i think that's the trick in comics is like make enough money so that your creative choices are not made for money they're made because that's the thing you want to do the most you know and it's oh yeah and, and that that that's a that's a i think a really cool thing because the thing that you had to do was being a designer yeah the thing that you wanted to do was being a comics creator so being in that position now and and for the last 18 years or so where you're like okay i'm doing what i want to do not yeah. what i have to do uh, yeah and I, and I think that's that's a completely different dynamic well that's what and that's why like as a fan of the medium i i'm rooting for every single creator to have that you know it's like don't do if you don't want to write and draw marvel comics or do do that long enough so then you've got that money and the cachet or whatever, the fan base that you can go do your book at Image or do a Kickstarter book, you know, and, then, and oh, then yeah. that's, the, that's the book I want to read. You know, I want to read Thomas River because I, 
that's the book you want to do. Like that's what I'm really excited about. And that's 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 what I'm excited about. I'm 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 excited about every like oddball story that comes out. I'm I'm yeah. excited about every book uh, a female creator does. I'm excited about every book that like a trans person does or anything like that. It's just like any of those those like books that that normally don't get a light shine on them when they do. It's it's just really awesome. And and I think a thing that's happening now through Kickstarter and just I think with the growth of our uh, our industry, especially some of the stuff that the book publishers are doing as well, is the definition of mainstream is changing. Yeah. You know, it's like there's just more and more simply comics being done. Even even the stuff that uh, that Lapham did and which I think there's a direct correlation between that and the Parker stuff that Darwin Cook was doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's yeah. so it's just like it's just it's just what we said earlier. No one has figured it out and everything is legitimate. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's that's the beauty of comics is like everybody's you can reach the audience directly and you can follow you can get your vision and your voice out exactly how you want it to be with no interference, you know. And it's cool to be in a spot where the first book that I ever had a part in publishing was uh, a book that Brian drew. And that put us on the map. And then the book that that really blew us up was the book that Rosario Dawson was a part of. And we we had a book that that she co-created and we drew, you know, the book was drawn to her likeness. And then here we are all these years later, you're doing a book that Keanu Reeves is a part of. And it's just so cool to see these people that that are gigantic multimillionaire movie stars and they can do anything they want to do, but they want to do a comic, you know, that speaks a lot, you know, and there's another, I've done some of the celebrity books. I've had some that, that have come along that one, one in particular that never actually got published that uh, because of managers and agents and stuff, but it's, so it's really cool to see that like, I mean, Keanu's the biggest action star in the world and he wanted to do a comic. And that, that's, that's, that speaks to this medium. It's a, it's a great medium. It's, it, there's no boundaries. There's no budget that can contain it. And it's, it's so freeing in so many ways. And, uh, you know, it, it's fun to see like 2007, eight, whatever that was, I think it was seven was when Rosario's book came out. And then we are, and she was huge. I mean, like, she was coming off of Sin City. She was going into Grindhouse and like the biggest female action star, maybe at the time in the world. And then you've got Keanu Reeves, who has the guy that completely reinvented, reinvented himself, who was uh, to guys our age was like, this is shit. But then he, he did, he did John Wick and, and now he's doing Berserker. You know, it's just great for comics and all this stuff goes along together. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's oh, yeah. traditional retail outlet, and then there's, there's books like um, what we're doing, which for Kickstarters and we'll hit comic book stores. We grew up on some cool shit, but there's some cool shit out there right, right, right now too. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we're making some of it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, you two guys are making it. Don uh, yeah, and I are reading it. <laughs> that sounds like the perfect moment to call it a day. All right, is everyone placated with a very thorough analysis of the future of comics? <laughs> yes, yeah. I think we fixed it. <laughs> yeah, we did. It was strangely optimistic. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens next week. We'll see what happens. We're so optimistic now. with an election a week away. Uh, that's that's a pretty optimistic shot by shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, thank you so very much for taking the time. We know it's late where you are. Uh, yeah. We hope the wine got you through it with a little bit more energy. No, it was fun, guys. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, anytime I can be on with with a uh, a living legend. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is another way of saying old. Yeah, <laughs> old. No, no. Yeah. no look, when Berserker comes out, you know, I'm not just saying this, but we'll work in Keanu if you got if you want to bring him on. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got so many neighbors that all of a sudden want to like be friends and talk to me. I was like, no, no, let's just smile and wave. I don't want to be friends. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't need to be friends with all my neighbors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, but Matt, def definitely, um, I I'm going to pace myself through <laughs> you know, sort of mind management, yeah. and and I'm going to get back with you on that because uh, I'm I'm going to have to do some unpacking. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. And then let's, let's trade a uh, variant covers for our our uh, spy books. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> we're on. Of course. A hundred percent, man. All right. All Sounds right. good. Have a good night, everybody. Everybody, thank you so very much for listening in. That was the wonderful Mr. Matt Kent. This is Sean. And this is Kevin. And we are going to throw this to uh, a little tease to our next episode, which is the amazing Derek Robertson. So anyone who grew up on Transmetropolitan, his run on Wolverine with Greg Rucka, I mean, this is a guy who helped pave my path into comics, going from things that were a little bit more superhero-y to things that were a little darker and more mature. So I love Derek. Yeah, can't wait to, to share this episode with all of you. All right, thanks everybody.